Um, awesome. So I guess before we get started, we won't be recording next week because mm-hmm. you will be in Hawaii. In Hawaii. The week following Woo-hoo. two. Oh, two weeks. Two weeks. Cool, cool. Yeah. No All right. So you won't hear from us for two whole weeks every yeah. week. So you might have to re-listen to <laughs> some of our previous talks. Uh, so today, yeah, we'll talk about getting a puppy, things before getting a puppy, things after getting a puppy. And I guess maybe not Preparing even necessarily. Preparing for a puppy. Yeah, not necessarily even just a puppy. Even a dog. Maybe just a dog a in new general. dog. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can just hop right into it. Um, there's lots to consider prior to even getting said dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we can first talk about finances because obviously... That's a big one. Dogs cost money. <laughs> and not only do they cost money up front... But there's that maintenance fee. Yeah. <laughs> vet bills, grooming. Yeah. yeah and that's a lot. You know, um, everything. Prior to getting a dog, you probably should have a, a good amount saved up. Um, what did you say? 2000 I think 2000 would be a good one. Not just to purchase the dog, but to have put aside for the vet appointments, the supplies you need, um, emergencies. You know, though 2000 is like nothing for an emergency. That's a deposit. It's not even, that's not going to cover the whole thing. <laughs> Yeah, and puppies, they're fragile, and sometimes you're not sure how hurt. Like, sometimes they can over-exaggerate how yeah. hurt they are. My own you. dogs are very dramatic, and <laughs> yeah. I scare the hell out of me all the time. So Yeah, so, like, I know one of my clients, Tatiana, with Boston, little Boston Terrier. <laughs> yes. She's, like, always concerned about every little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so she she pays a lot of vet bills. So, yeah, money is it's going to come up, and it might come up frequently depending yeah. on so some good options there is obviously save don't just go in impulse buy a dog with you know nothing saved up and nothing prepared that's a, a big thing always be prepared um but some things that could help is care credit something it's a care, credit card for care so you can use it for human health care and you can use it for animal health care i think 99 percent of vets accept it um and it's i like it almost more than insurance almost because there's no um interest if you paid within a certain time frame so they give you like 6 12 i think 24 and uh 36 months deferred for the the larger the amount the more time you have to pay it off uh deferred no interest if paid in full by that time frame so i think that's a pretty good option it's like a payment plan that you definitely probably need in case of a real real emergency um but insurance is also a good thing to have um there's a whole bunch out there so you got to do your own research obviously um there's you know trupanion pet plan which i think just got taken over by the dodo um pumpkin embrace healthy paws there's all a million out there so you just got to re- research what your deductibles want to be, if, if you want to pay per deductible per visit, or if you want to do it per year, and then you can set your amounts and stuff like that. Um, but financing pets are a privilege, so definitely put aside for that privilege before you know getting it and then not being prepared. Yeah, and you've mentioned uh, previously, too, you should plan on getting the insurance before you get the puppy. Exactly, or at least before the the vet appointment, because Uh the insurance has like a fifteen. Most insurances are fifteen to thirty day waiting period, 
So say your puppy broke your leg and you're like, oh, I'm going to apply for insurance because it hasn't gone to the vet yet. But you also got to then wait the 7 to 15 to 30 days waiting period, depending on the insurance. Yeah. So obviously you don't want your pet to suffer that long. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I I'd obviously recommend insurance from my sort of standpoint of like doggy daycare uh where i just have all these active dogs it's like yeah. always a good idea so um so yeah money money's gonna come at you from all different angles like everyone so nobody expects the vet bill mm-hmm. but everybody expects a vet bill like if at that some makes point, sense yeah but like I, some of the some other things like you know oh we got a doodle but we didn't realize we needed to go get it groomed, you know. Oh, yeah, grooming like, all is of a, a sudden big one. Now, yeah. you know, grooming's and costing. that's like every four to eight weeks, depending on the breed and the coat. Like some dogs need to be groomed pretty often, mm-hmm. and that's obviously going to add up. So if you, that's going to go into how many hours you want to take care of a dog, right? And, <laughs> and how much money you want to spend. You know, if I assume some dogs, it's like if you don't get them groomed, they're going to have health and like sanitary yes. you know, issues. Oh, yeah, we see that a lot. We see like matted dogs where the fur is literally pulling the skin and it, it hurts to walk. Oof. Like, and then, you know, obviously underneath the fur, it's gross, it's hot spots, it's um, infected skin. It's not a fun time. Um, but definitely, if you're going to get a dog, have money put away for <laughs> the vet bills, the insurance the care credit the you know grooming you know daycare there's so much things you have to kind of consider especially for your lifestyle yep uh and yeah it's this, more than just the food and the yeah, you know. yeah it's a lot more and food's <laughs> expensive this nowadays it's like 60 dollars a bag plus depending on which brand you go with and it it's not to say you know you can't have a dog if you're like poor or on the lower end of the income spectrum you know, it's just something you have to prepare for, especially, um, especially with, you know, care credit, you know, insurance. And even if you're not ready to take full responsibility, fostering is a good idea because um, usually the rescue will take over costs of stuff, but you get to foster this dog until it finds a home and then you can help another dog. It's a good option as well. Yeah. So then there's also... Can your schedule accommodate a puppy? Yes. Puppies are... I always say that puppies and dogs are like two-year-olds that never grow up. Exactly. They need 24-7 supervision. Yep. Like there's no, <laughs> oh, just let him out back for eight hours. He'll be fine. It's yeah. like, no, you need to be very uh, diligent. So can your schedule accommodate a puppy? Yeah. Uh, How many hours a week do yeah, you work? work. Uh, are you able to work from home in that time frame while your puppy's growing or setting up a routine? Are you able to have people to come take care of it while you're working type of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, because if your schedule can't accommodate it, you'll need to find somebody whose schedule can. Exactly. Otherwise, I mean, depending on the breed, you know, there's not many like... Yorkies or Bichons that I'm I'm walking, yeah. but like that need if, the high energy. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but if you've got a, a lab, yeah, you know it's gonna need to get out exactly. Um, and if you're working ten hours a day plus commute, it's and that dog's just sitting at home. Pre- be prepared for a ripped up couch, a ripped <laughs> up cushion. You know, holes in the yard. <laughs> yep, holes in the yard, holes in the wall, chewed. You know, doors. You know, um, you also gotta think about your social life too Mm -hmm. once you take on another life you know 
it's your responsibility to provide for it. So instead of going out every night and drinking and having fun, you know, you may have to stay in, walk your dog, make sure it's healthy, you know, take it to its vet appointments, take it to, you know, play great uh, dates and stuff like that. Yeah, it should be the, the, your dog should be a huge part of your life and a friend. It should be something you're excited for. It shouldn't be something that's like at the house and you're only like interacting when you're interested. Exactly. And there's like a, a saying that pops up every once in a while on my Facebook. It's like, to you, uh, a dog is only part of your life, but to the dog, you're its whole life. So you mm-hmm. have to take that into consideration when you take a dog into your life because, you know, you're the whole world. Yeah. Or even like traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, That's something to consider. Is your dog going to go with you? Are you going to have you know, to get daycare? Are you going to have to go to a kennel? You know? Yeah. So I'm going to totally uh, throw my aunt under the bus here real quick. So... So I'll give her, and then I'll talk about Gunther and Cody. So my my aunt, uh, they recently got a doodle named Brody. He's a sweetheart, uh, very playful. I love him. He's awesome. I've met him a few mm-hmm. times. And when they got him, they were like, I don't know, in an RV traveling or whatever. So he was at the house um, with my cousins. So they're taking my my two cousins are taking care of him. Um, they then just got I think a like summer home or something that they're gonna go to like for like four months out of the year, but it's not dog friendly. And like they've done a lot of. <laughs> Sorry, Marie. I know you love Brody, but <laughs> uh, like you know, making sure you line up your lifestyle choices. Yeah. To like line up with the dog, otherwise it's not fair. Exactly. You know, like Brody's got a huge yard. He can run around, but like he doesn't have a good structure. You know, like my two cousins, yeah. they're always working. They got school. They're coming and going, you know, so Brody doesn't have like a, a routine. Routine, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas with Gunther and Cody, their dads do a lot of traveling, like gone. I think it was Christmas. They went to like Aruba. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like the dogs are at home. Just running around Waiting, the backyard. Yeah. Or like they're with me. I've got them for the week mm-hmm. uh, of Christmas. You know, we're going to the dog park. Their routine stayed the same. Mm-hmm. They're loving it. They're living this enriching life, even though, you know, their owners are Not all there. the way yeah. out of the country. <laughs> um, so, even if your schedule can't accommodate a puppy, in the sense of, like again, all right, I work those ten hours a week. I was doing it. I was working in Boston, you know, at BU, commuting in and out. Eventually quit to spend (laughs) 24-7 with my dog. But you can do it. The key is you need to find somebody who can take care of that dog while you can't. Exactly. um, Have you put enough thought into getting a dog? Everybody wants one. Everybody wants... It's such an like easy a, impulse buy, I feel exactly. like. Exactly. Because they're so cute. Yeah. It's like a commodity item. You mm-hmm. want it, you want it, you get it, and then you have it, and you enjoy it, and then, you know, the commodity kind of just withers, and you realize the responsibility and how mm-hmm. much work they actually are and how much time you have to put into them and how much time you have to take away from, you know, yourself, you know, yep. to focus on an animal. Yeah, there's a lot of sacrifices that 
you know, I've had to make, mm. you've probably had to make oh, yeah. <laughs> when it's just like, I really want to go out like, even like on holidays, mm -hmm. like I want to go spend time with my family, but <laughs> I yeah. need to make sure that, all right, if we're going to my parents' house, did the dogs get exercise before I go so that they're not all over the place? Exactly. Or if I can't bring them, okay, well, we can only plan to be there for so many hours. Such a yeah. tight wind. So there's a lot that you have to really think of. Don't, don't just go out and buy a puppy on a whim. Yes. <laughs> buy a puppy on a whim. And that's where you should start. You know, if you get a puppy or a new dog, start before you even bring it in the house, puppy proof the house. Mm -hmm. That's super important. Um, cords and cables are super important. Make sure they're out of reach, out of mind, um, hidden away because I've seen so many dogs die from that or they come in and they have electrical burns down their throat and they're just never the same really. Um, it's pretty much some shock therapy for you. Scariest thing. I was laying on my bed taking a nap. Mm -hmm. Bailey must have been five months old. Mm -hmm. She's never chewed a wire. It was the first wire she chewed. She's never chewed a yeah. She bit into, I think it was the air filter, air purifier yeah. cord. And I remember I was dead asleep. And I'm like, I sleep like a rock. Mm -hmm. I set five alarms. I'm not, I, Sam has to push me out of bed to, <laughs> to wake me up. And so... All of a sudden, I just hear this, like, uh, shrieking. Like, it sounds like someone's being murdered, and I just shoot up from bed. I'm like, what the? And she's just on the floor with the wire in the mouth, yeah. just shaking and screaming, but she can't let go. Oh, yeah. It's like, and so I had to jump down, and, and it was just like, holy shit. And that's hit. something you're very lucky, too, that you, you know, because a lot of dogs get heart issues after, and... Um, like I said, they're not mentally all there after that because they, they're pretty much giving them some shock therapy there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of dogs do die, and that's like a big killer of puppies is they're chewing on stuff. They're puppies. They don't know any better. That looks like a rope toy to them or just a chewable. You know, they're teething. Yep. And they chew on something, and that's their last thing they Chew. do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's something we're looking back on it. Um, I don't like to crate my dogs personally, which we can get into, but like, that's a perfect case where like a crate would have like yeah. just prevented exactly, that puppy you were asleep, from chewing yeah. that cord, you know? You never know what they're doing when you're asleep too. So you got to keep, you know, yep. stuff out of reach, food, you know, certain yep. foods can be toxic, keeping that out of reach, Marijuana, making sure, <laughs> yep. alcohol, alcohol, <laughs> pills, yep. like Dogs won't necessarily sniff something and think like, ooh. No, they're going to try it. They're, gonna, they're, they're not gonna, the brightest bulbs. They're going to yeah. try it. If it's edible, even Cody, Cody eats things that aren't even edible. And it's I know. Like, and, you yeah. know, food, that's another thing. You put gates up, too, if you're not into a big kenneling. Put mm -hmm. gates up and make a safe area for your dog. Even yeah. if the whole house is not safe, making sure you have a gated area that is safe. Mm -hmm. Even to keep them out of areas. So say you have like a newborn child and you don't want the puppy going in the room because it's still going to the bathroom in the house. That's a good way, you know, to prevent zoonotic diseases. Also, just having urine and feces in your little child's room. Mm -hmm. um, that's a, something that should be important. Um and then obviously monitoring them for eating inedible objects indoors and outdoors. You know, rocks being a big one. We see a lot of puppies that eat rocks, socks, sure socks, yeah, masks now. Oh. <laughs> That's a big one. 
Uh, we had a, like four or five come in now to have them vomit up masks, especially kid masks because kids are gross. They have yeah. food all over their face. I know. And they put that mask on and then they throw the mask on the floor. That puppy's gonna dust eat it. In exactly. It. The, <laughs> the puppy's going to eat it or even adult dogs. We've had a bunch of adult dogs too. Yeah. Um, but those are the like main things is puppy proofing for and being prepared for a puppy before even bringing a puppy into the house because mm-hmm. that's gonna decrease the amount of accidents and emergency vet bills yep. which are gonna drain your finances they all kind of tie together <laughs> yeah do you um curious if you what your standpoint is on like puppy pee pads i'm not a fan personally so, De- i mean depending on the situation if you're at 15 stories up in the middle of Boston, you know, I can maybe, but like if your backyard's right there, I don't see any reason to teach your dog to pee inside. Yeah. So I'm, I'm against pee pads as well. I think it's teaching the puppy. It's okay to pee in the house Mm -hmm. and they may not necessarily understand the pee pad. Even as they get older, they, you know, start maybe to get it. But like, do you really want your pet going to the bathroom inside the house also? So Usually they can hold their bladder or um, bowel movements for a couple hours, so you have the chance. And if you get them on a routine, you can get them potty trained. Even those small little dogs, mm-hmm. you can get them potty trained yeah. to go outside. It's really, you know, mind over matter type of thing. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I feel like potty training is like the bare minimum. Like. That's the first thing that everybody kind of does when you get your dog is, all right, we're going to potty train and then we're going to like work on like the basic obedience commands. Exactly. And so it's like if you're already tapering off at step one. Yeah, exactly. Think about it. Think about it. Gosh. I just had a question for you and I can't remember it. It'll pop up as we talk. So. Yeah. Also, when you're preparing for a dog, an important thing is to find, like our last uh, video, responsible breeder, shelter, or rescue Mm -hmm. that you're going to get your dog from. And again, they're not going to be all willy-nilly let you impulse buy. If they let you impulse buy, red flags. Red flag, yeah. Um, Yeah, if you can walk in without, like with zero contact into somewhere and then walk out with like a a puppy, unless it's like... I don't know. Uh, so like MSPCA Angel. I think I you have to send an application first to be approved. Okay. And I think they do do like home checks. Lots still. of vetting. And yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's where I've gotten a majority of my like rescues and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's always been, well, actually with like Shirley, it was a pretty crazy process. That's 70, one of 72 dachshunds. Yeah. Um, and all the cats we got from them. Yeah. It was like a. Some sort of application process yeah. where they talk to you beforehand, make sure yeah. you're ready for an animal. Mm-hmm. Usually they don't let you just go in. I want this one. You and hand over like some money and out. then you walk out. There's yeah. still some sort of vetting process. Even yeah. an application you fill out beforehand, you go in, you find an animal you like, you go and sit in the office, fill out an application, they review it and they're like, yes, no, maybe so. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered what, uh, so speaking of 15 floor apartments or whatever, uh, when my friend Noah was living in Quincy, he had a roommate who had a min pin and they lived on like the seventh floor and he had it trained to go in a litter box 
So. I think still think that's better than Hebrew. Yeah, it's interesting. At least that's like. Yeah, pee pads just this little piece of fabric on the floor. Yeah. Whereas even that's if at least you have like to dedicated... use pee pads, you can teach them the like if you have a bathtub or you know shower stall type thing, you can put those in there so they know the difference between going in, you know, just like a general area, mm-hmm. going into a specific area of the house into a smaller area where you know usually there's tile on the bathroom floor, or tile in the bathroom stall and. It's a different feeling, you know. Some dogs only go to the bathroom on grass. Some only go on leaves and dirt, you know, sidewalks even. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually something to consider too is what time of the year is it when you're getting this dog? Because if you're up here and it's January and there's three feet of snow on the ground, your puppy might not want to go out in the snow or it might shut down and not go to the bathroom. So that's yeah. something to like consider consider as well and that's where you kind of just have to outwit the puppy outweight the puppy <laughs> yeah. you may be freezing but you got you can't let the puppy win no nope. no you gotta be more stubborn exactly <laughs> you know make it fun for them be running around in the snow with them because mm-hmm. obviously movement is going to stimulate their bladder and um intestines to you know want to go so the more you move around with them instead of them just sh- shaking and waiting and you're standing there shaking and waiting yep. go out in the snow Put some boots on. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, and because puppies especially are very. Uh, also, shovel shovel out an area too. You don't have yeah. to make them if they're a tiny <laughs> yeah. little dog. Don't make them wade through snow. Shovel. Just do some shoveling. Yeah, puppies are very sponge-like uh, and very curious. But if you, they're also very sensitive. If you start to yell at them, you know, like start to get aggravated with them you know they're gonna sort of start to shut down exactly and Um, you know if you don't you know entice them into wanting to do things or showing them that mm -hmm. it's actually okay right they're never gonna be okay with it Mm -hmm. some dogs hate going out in the rain to go to the bathroom so they'll just stand by the you know door of the you know wall words here (laughs) um by the back door just waiting for you to lump back in Go out in the rain with them, yeah. run around, play with them in the rain, get them used to the rain. My dogs, I can't even get back inside now for the snow, rain, hail, sleet. Love it, yeah. Yeah, can't if there's something in. that your puppy is not very comfortable or confident with, like uh, even if it's just walking on a busy street with mm-hmm. cars going by, the best thing, if that's what makes them shut down and fearful is to keep exposing them to exactly that short and sweet used to it exactly make know? it short and sweet lots of cookies lots of praise yeah, don't torture them don't drag them <laughs> along and they're having a horrible time and you're gonna have a horrible time and that dog's never gonna want to go for a walk on the busy street again yep not saying they should be on a busy street mm-hmm. try to go on uh some less scarier streets to build that confidence first (laughs) Uh, but work your way up you know expose them slowly to things that could potentially be get more and more scary to them but they're also getting more and more confident at the same time yeah yeah and so for also preparing for puppy things you should have just the beginning i believe in kennel training doesn't mean you have to do it forever doesn't mean you need to you know make it it's not a punishment i think all puppies should be kennel trained just for the fact that they have a safe place to go. They have, you know, opportunity to get away from people while also you being able to put them in the kennel and they, them to feel safe in there. Because 
you know, that kennel translate to kennels at hospitals, kennels at, you know, boarding, daycare, kennels, you know, that you feed your dog in and they have like a place to eat their food in peace away from other people, away from children, away from other dogs. They don't have to feel like they have to defend their, their food. Um, it's, it's supposed to be a safe place and then it'll also help prevent destruction of the house. Obviously, you know, you have a puppy, it's teething, it's got chew on stuff. When you're not there, it could potentially eat something that's toxic, poisonous, electrical. So I think a kennel is a good way to you know, train the puppy to have a place to go and also keeping it safe at the same time. Again, doesn't have to be long term. I think it's just mainly for puppy years or, you know, long term. If you travel a lot, you can put your dog in a kennel in the car, stuff like that. Uh, you want to get a reputable puppy food. There's so many out there. Don't go for the boutique diets, the grain free diets. Those What's the first one you mentioned? Boutique. Boutique. So Rachel Ray. Okay. Yeah. Um, like the the celebrity diets yeah. because your dog's not a celebrity. It's not eating a celebrity diet. It's a dog. Um, do you just coming from like sort of the vet viewpoint, would you, if it's in the budget, if it's in the, the schedule, would you recommend like home cooked slash raw over kibble? Like what's your sort so of, I like raw diets. I will get a lot of backlash from vets and techs everywhere because a lot of them don't like it. But every vet and every tech will tell you something different on their opinion. I personally like it if done right because if it's not done right, you're cutting out key nutri- nutrients as that puppy's growing or even the dog as a full-grown adult that that dog needs. If you're going to do it right, you go see to a nutritionist. You go talk to a, you know people who do raw diets professionally and know what they're doing. There's a bunch of Facebook pages that are really good for telling you, oh, you have too much of this. What percentage of crude protein do you have in this? Like you measure stuff out very, very fine details. It's much more than just a caloric count. Exactly. It's much more than a caloric count. It's not, it's much more than throwing it a, you know, rotisserie chicken and being like, oh, that's a raw diet. It's not a raw diet. Mm -hmm. And yeah, (laughs) dogs don't, don't create fire pits and wrote yeah <laughs> yeah and if you're going to do home cook that's even more because you're cooking a lot of those nutrients out mm. so i'm personally more for raw diets versus home cooked diets but both can be done responsibly if you get the help of a nutritionist and also um you know people who do feed raw the correct way Um, Don't just go online and Google raw food diet and you'll get a million and one answers. Go to talk to people who actually know what they're doing and have been doing this for a while and know how much, you know, red organ meat they need, how much um, muscle and fat they need, how much protein, how much grain, how much, like there's so much stuff that goes into that. I am also very against grain-free diets just because I see... Was it cancer? Um, so heart disease, heart disease. Okay. they get enlarged hearts. So cardio dilated myelopathy. I think we talked about a little bit about that yeah. last time. Um, so they get enlarged hearts and dogs that have no business that should be getting a large heart. And a lot of those key things were that they were getting fed grain free diets. And there's so many conspiracy theories. Is it the peas and carrots that they're taking out in the grain free that's making it the legumes, uh, are they lacking taurine? There's so many things that 
no different doctors are suspecting they're causing it. Huh. But why risk risk it in feed a grain free diet to your dog? Yeah. You know. I just it's just an increase of heart disease we see. Since we're speaking on food, let's also take into consideration people who give let's say I guess we'll give two categories, table scraps mm-hmm. and then literally human food as like the dog's dinner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a client who feeds their dog spaghetti <laughs> with the sauce. Oh, man. Which is probably too acidic. Probably. I mean, I can't tell you exacts on, you know, <laughs> yeah. spaghetti sauce and pasta. And, uh, but, 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 yeah, our food, whether it's scraps or not, whether it's a whole meal or scraps, you know, isn't exactly designed for dogs. And you got to keep in mind that this causes a lot of pancreatitis that we see an influx usually around the holidays because you want to give your dog that leftover turkey, mm-hmm. the skin, you know, some ham, some bacon, you know, that causes pancreatitis and that's super, super painful for the dog. And they get flare-ups of it. It's something that just doesn't go away. They, they Once they have pancreatitis, they got pancreatitis. It's about managing it now with bland food that's not even yummy for them, and they yeah. don't want to eat it. Right. Now they don't get anything. They can't have table scraps. They can't literally have anything except for their bland diet, right. um, not even treats. That can, they can cause a flare-up. And if your dog finds something and snacks on it, you know, on the ground that someone dropped, it's going to get a flare-up. And it's super painful, vomiting, diarrhea, um, you can even get bloody diarrhea too. It's not a fun time for the dog. Oh. 
So what would you say to uh so one of our top fans, Sue? She all the time gives uh Boris and Alfie uh pizza. You know, uh, she'll she'll go get a pizza and share it with them and you know, what what would you say to her? Well, I mean <laughs> I can't say we're all innocent here. I yeah, yeah. I mean I throw no, a, a tiny little bit maybe at my dogs, but you gotta keep in mind that every little bit will eventually add up. You know, mm-hmm. eventually that one time was just enough for it to cause the pancreatitis. Yeah. So I think everything in moderation that's healthy is okay. And then be very, very careful. It shouldn't be like a daily thing. It shouldn't be a weekly thing. Like maybe once every couple weeks or months, mm-hmm. maybe like a, a scrap of, you know, say you have a little leftover you know, pizza, a little piece of crust is not going to kill a dog. Yeah. Um, a little piece of cheese is not going to kill a dog, but you know, every day, you know, pounding all the high fat, high um, calorie acid stuff is just not going to do the pancreas. It's not going to yeah. do the stomach. It's not going to do the intestines any good. Um, so that's that. That's kind of important. Uh, I personally, my personal preference, and this isn't for you know everybody because every dog's is is different. Feed the dog in front of you. Don't feed you for what you know someone else's dog so feed the dog in front of you my personal preference myself is purina i really like purina they do lab testing on their for their food and they're always trying to improve their formulas um a, a couple other lab tested brands are uh, royal canin and hills however people are going to be like the vets get commissions from them because you know they recommend them and it's a prescription diet not all those diets are prescription. There are just regular Royal Canin, regular Hills, regular Purina. And I would like to see where that uh, commission is too. So, you know, if you know where this commission's going that we're getting from the <laughs> diet feeding tra- people, okay. I don't know where it is. So, <laughs> uh, with, with dog obesity, I know that a majority of dogs, I think, are obese. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> would you say bad diet or? Lack of ex- exercise contributes more, or is it both? It's both. both. Um, bad diet, extra treats, you know, all the treats in the world, you know, a lack of exercise. What I usually say is feed for the weight you want your dog to be. Don't feed for the weight the dog is because it's just going to maintain or gain. Mm-hmm. If you're going to try to lose weight, you want to cut down by 20% and, you know, monitor. Obviously, you don't want your dog to get underweight. But also increasing exercise will also help lose the weight as in, com- in key working together with lowering diet. Yeah. Um, so no table scraps when you're working on losing diets and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, the vets always compliment Banjo and Bailey. They're like, oh my gosh, they're so like, mm-hmm. they're, they're dogs, they're healthy dogs. Exactly. <laughs> And some dogs are structures are different, so you can't say you know Banjo and Bailey are. We call it a BCS score, so body condition score. We rate usually one out of six or one out of nine, depending on the vet. Some are old school, one out of three. Um, you want to usually like a four or five for a BCS score. So if they tell you, oh, your body condition score is four, so you're nice, lean, you got some muscle. You wouldn't want to go any lower than that. A five, you know, nice healthy weight. Six, you're kind of getting a, a little heavy there. And then like nine or six, if it's on a one to six scale, obese. And, you know, if your dog's obese, you're cutting its lifespan down a good couple years and you're 
having it prone to arthritis and joint pain and it's diabetes is not fun to deal with there's so many issues with obese dogs there are comparatively to like smaller dogs you know it's easier to gain weight than to lose it Mm -hmm. so if your dog is sick and it's on the lighter side you can always have up its food a little bit have that little extra weight because you know the dog's sick and then be able to work back down a smaller amount comparatively to a larger dog. I'm going to use my aunt's dog <laughs> as a, a comparison. Uh, he is, he was 113 pounds. Um, golden. He's a golden retriever. Loves big, food. It's a pretty big golden. He, he's a little table. It's a yeah. walking table. We make fun of them at the, you know, clinics. No offense to you guys. Does he have but a monstrous head? No, no, that's the sad part. Is, you know, he has a nice size head. It's not okay. monstrous, but he's a little walking table. Um, and anytime we see like a small dog that's like rotund, we're like, it's a little footstool, you know, <laughs> a big dog that's, a you know, rotund, it's a table. You know, like you can get your chairs, you can get your, t- yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want your dog to be, a, you don't want to be able to balance stuff on your deck, dog's back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, I see a lot of labs, and I assume it's because labs are labs, the most popular yeah. dog. But labs that are just like things are very barrels f- with legs. Food, yeah, <laughs> food mated, food motivated dogs. Um, and she's working so hard on getting him to lose weight, and I'm so proud of him because he's gone down to I think 105 now, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of weight to lose in a short period of time. So he's working on it. He should probably be 75 pounds. You know. That's a whole extra person he's almost or extra dog he's carrying around on him. Yeah, and some of the little dogs I know, just having Yorkies and Dachshunds growing up, where it's like, well, they should be eight pounds and they're twelve pounds. To a human, doesn't sound crazy. No. But then when you really think about that, if you kind of do the weight, conversion from woo, yeah, it's, it's like they're carrying a whole other dog. Can, yeah, and even like losing that one or two pounds may not seem like a lot, but it's a lot to that dog. Mm-hmm. Um, and you obviously want muscle mass over fat mass on a dog and some you know dogs are built to be you know bony structured dogs so borzois are pretty bony feeling the ribs is okay like seeing ribs are okay um greyhounds you want to see ribs like if you don't see ribs on a greyhound it's obese even if it's like the tiniest little fat layer Mm -hmm. it's considered fat because Mm -hmm. they're meant to be an athletic build that's what they're bred for and what their shape is so when you go around and be like that dog's emaciated it may not actually be emaciated it may just be that dog's structure if you don't know the dog breed don't comment on it without Mm -hmm. actually seeing if it has muscle and you see bone that's fine if there's no muscle and you see bone and it looks pitiful then it's emaciated yeah especially if it's like at the dog park it's running around it's like (laughs) no look the dog is clearly healthy yeah um why do people, and this is something nobody, I think, wants to do is give up their dog. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people buy puppies. So, so, so let's say we have somebody who buys a puppy. They're loving it. It's great. It hits one years old. It's, you know, you haven't been putting in your work it's chewing your every bit of woodwork you live in this nice fancy house it's aggravating you you know now it gets to the point where it's like all right i'm thinking of getting rid of this two-year-old dog because well it just destroys my house um 
Which to me is such a shame because that's such an easy fix where mm-hmm. it's just like, all right, well, you're not paying attention and the dog yeah. is bored. But wh- why do why do people, what are some of the common reasons people give up their dogs? Um, and what are some things to kind of think about before getting a dog so that you don't find yourself in that situation where you're sort of like either not wanting to but having to give up the dog or, you know, sick of the dog. Yeah. Which those are two I, different categories. Yeah, I can't but even imagine being like sick of my dogs. Exactly. It's just like <laughs> you shouldn't have got a dog mind. in the yeah. first place. Exactly. I, I guess you did not put enough thought into getting that dog. Exactly. Right? That's um, what people, you know, a lot of impulse buys is they they end up giving the dog away because they weren't actually prepared mm-hmm. and you know didn't do their research. Exactly. I I hate holidays and birthdays because that part of people are like especially puppy mills are trying to sell that cute little puppy at the pet store. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good reputable shelters, rescues and breeders typically hold off around holidays um, either the week before until the week after because they don't want their pets being purchased or adopted to be a Christmas gift because no animal should technically be a gift for someone else because that person should be prepared or that animal beforehand. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hiding your pregnancy to your significant other and just one day being like, "Hey, here's a baby." Yeah. Like that's the same sort of thing. It's exactly. just like, "Whoa, you did not prepare them lot either. Of like, whoa. Yeah. You know? They weren't prepared and, you know, mm-hmm. that's what a lot of people end up, you know, they weren't prepared. And that's one of the reasons why we see a lot of dogs surrendered. Um the owner just can't handle the actual responsibility of having dog the exercise, you know, change in lifestyle that they have to give up for the dog. Um, and, you know, obviously lifestyle or life, you know, situations change, you know, family members die, you have to move out. Um, you can't keep the family member's dog. You, you're not personally prepared. So usually the, that, you know, the person who's receiving the dog will find it at home or, you know, give it up to their shelter uh, you know, people die. <laughs> so your own self, you know, say you pass away. So, you know, you're typically, you know, if you don't have a plan for your dog after who's someone who's willing to take that dog, you know, that may lead to, you know, shelter. Uh, and then obviously just, you know, not wanting a dog. A lot of people get a dog and then they realize they didn't really actually want a dog. They liked the the idea of it, but they didn't want to actually deal with it. It's a lot of reasons why people give up dogs um, and kind of give up on them. Yeah. Yeah, if you can't, you know, put down the PlayStation controller for 10 minutes. To go play ball go, real quick. You know, it's just like you've got, yeah. For the, like I said, uh, when you sort of interviewed me for like 10 years, for the longest time I wanted dogs and I would, bust my parents balls because they wouldn't let me get one and looking back it's like thank god you didn't (laughs) let me get one because i was not ready yeah Uh, and it would have just been a bad situation Mm um let's talk about like breeds okay um selecting a breed you should obviously choose one that fits your lifestyle best yes exactly don't get a border collie if you are a couch potato walk you know exactly um fit the breed to your lifestyle don't make the breed fit your lifestyle because mm -hmm. that breed may not be you know in tune for that type of lifestyle so uh, a greyhound who needs to run 
and you're a couch potato or um, you're high energy and you get like a, a pug who can barely breathe after, you know, 10 minutes of running. Yeah, you're both going to be frustrated with each other. Exactly. And I, that's not setting the dog up for success. It's not setting you up for success. It's all about setting each other up for success. Yeah, yeah you want um, to compliment each other. You don't exactly. want to. Exactly. And I think that should, you know, be a main thing is setting each other up for success and choosing a dog. And you also, like you mentioned earlier, grooming requirements. Do you want to be grooming your dog often? Do you want to have to bathe your dog? Do you have to brush your dog? Some dogs need daily brushing. Do you even brush your own hair that yeah. often? Like right, yeah. I struggle myself. I'm yeah, like, yeah. I can do my own dogs, but I can <laughs> my own stuff. I'm like allergies. bird's nest. Allergies as well. Yep. You got to consider your own allergies versus the dog's allergies and um, prey drive. Do you want a high prey drive dog that, you know, you may be good for that lifestyle where you want to keep moving, keep moving. And that dog wants to keep moving, keep moving and chase. And if you are going to participate in, you know, those type of breed sports or um, agility, obedience, you know, events, stuff like that to fit that dog's lifestyle. So if you get a Malinois, you know, you want to run it, obviously. And they're called Malinois Malligators for a reason you want to run it and you want to you know potentially do bite work with it you may want to you know do training for guard make sure that dog's mentally stimulated for that lifestyle that um, it has so you may have to change your own lifestyle yeah yeah so and that all boils down to you knowing yourself knowing what your interests are and your energy level is and just finding a breed you know just research online the different breeds they're all structured into categories you know working dogs yep herding couch potatoes stay away from the working dogs yep stay away from the herding dogs as well hounds hounds stay away from hounds if you're an avid hiker a lot of those are going to be perfect exactly camper you know those perfect dogs love camping um so yeah just just match your lifestyle with your dog and you'll be set up for success exactly and I know people are like, well, if I get this dog, maybe I'll be more active. But you got to really think, are you going to be mm-hmm. more active? Or are you just trying to use this as an excuse to try to be active but and then end up failing the dog? Right. So I, th- I feel like that's a lot of people, too. They're like, oh, I'll get a German Shepherd and um, I'll be more active. I'll take it out everywhere. And then the dog ends up in the backyard mm-hmm. and frustrated. Frustrated, aggravated. Nobody can get close to it. Yep. You know, uh, which... Uh, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, just just jotted my mind, thinking about like dog like that, all feisty, riled up. Visitors are over. That's where like having that safe kennel space, exactly, where they can be calm. Exactly, they know um, if they go to the kennel, they they are there to be calm. Yep. it's a safe place. No one's gonna touch it. No one's gonna prod it. No one's gonna you know try to roughhouse with it. Mm-hmm. And um, that's like a a big thing. And also, you know, I know you talked about apartments earlier. And you know requirements for a home for a dog type situation. Yeah, can I can I live in an apartment and successfully own a border collie or borzoi? So I think yes, as long as you you have to think the smaller the yard, the more exercise requirements it's needed. So though you don't have a yard, you're gonna have to be going out more often. Mm-hmm. If you have a yard, the larger the yard, the better. Obviously, especially for the size of the dog. The larger the breed, the larger the yard you should have to help um, be able to fully exercise that dog if you're going to do it in a yard. If you're in an apartment and you have no yard, you should be taking that dog on walks, hikes, adventures, 
you want to take it out to parks and stuff like that like pretty often even if you have a big yard those things are still great exactly you should still even if you get a huge yard like i feel bad my neighbor's dogs two houses down Mm -hmm. i want to say that they've had the i want to say like one's two one's maybe four or five i've never seen them outside of their yard anything that goes by whether it's a bike dog person car motorcycle you name it they're at the edge of that fence going nuts because that's all they have exactly the yard gets boring yeah you know you can only run in the same you know 10 feet of space or even if it's huge an acre you know it gets boring it's the same yard that they see every single day with no change Mm -hmm. um that dog should still be getting you know mental stimulation from other sorts of locations Uh, it's a good way to socialize your dog to prevent you know reactivity to either people other dogs bikes it desensitizes them to those situations. Yeah. And on the flip side, too, even if you have, like, no yard, I've got a pretty small yard. It's fenced in. On really, really awful days, we can use it. Mm-hmm. But I got a small yard, but the dog parks a mile down the road. So I use that to my advantage. So just because you got a small yard doesn't – it's not a, necessarily a deal breaker as long as you've exactly. got those resources – Exactly, you know, and also by. increasing your exercise, or not even your exercise, but the dog's exercise. So making sure you get out there more often almost because you have less of a yard and that dog's mm-hmm. only contain, again, say it's an apartment, uh, 600 square feet maybe, you know. Um, so it is doable, but it's going to be harder. And keeping in mind, you know, the size of the dog you get and mm-hmm. you go to an apartment without an elevator and that dog in old age has leg issues are you gonna be able to carry that dog up and down the stairs that's a big thing i see a lot of is people can no longer carry their mastiff up the stairs on their second floor apartment or even up the stairs to their house um or i can't even go down the stairs to go to the bathroom that's a lot of reasons why i see people bring their dog in to be put to sleep is because they can't you know carry the dog themselves and that's a really big bummer wow yeah is that something you think off of right off the top of your head? Yeah. Are you going to be able or have someone help you carry this dog up and down the stairs if it cannot into the walk? Car, like, exactly. Yeah, Getting in the car so you have a big truck. Are you going to be able to lift that dog up into the truck with with or without help mm-hmm. um, is a big thing, especially if you have reactive German Shepherd, let's say, that's people reactive. And it's going down in the hind end and having trouble walking, but you can't ask for help. You know, mm-hmm. how are you going to get that dog in the car when it's 80, 90 pounds? Yeah, if you can't even budge under the its weight, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so that's do, something yeah. to really consider. Another thing to consider is children with dogs. Yeah, that's such a... It's a very big topic, and it's something that needs to be taken very, very seriously. Yeah. You need to teach the kids to respect the dog, and in return, the dog will respect the kids. Mm-hmm. that's not every case sadly you know some dogs are kid reactive but you also gotta keep that in mind that's not every dog the kids need to respect the dog that kennel that we mentioned earlier it's a safe place kids do not go near the dog when it's in the kennel people will feed dogs in a kennel because it's a safe place where the dog can't react to the kid and potentially hurt the kid if it's resource guarding or food guard you know protective um kids should not 
be pulling, jumping, playing, screaming in their face on the dog. You know, it's something that needs to be like defined right then and there. And if you can't do that, you need to keep them separated safely. Baby gates, keep the, the children out of harm's way. And if they're in the same room as that dog, they need to be supervised at all times. Kids are, you know, kids, they're going to potentially pull an ear and, you know, say that dog has a painful ear or they pull really hard. Mm-hmm. That dog may react. It's not meaning to, you know, go out of its way to hurt your children because it's family, but dogs can only react with their mouth and vocalization and gestures. So uh, it usually does eye gestures, ears, you know, there's signs. Which a child isn't going to pick up on that but an adult should and you know that's like such a big thing is this is just a situation i'm so this is a situation of either ignorance where you're watching your kid like say jump on your dog and you're just ignoring it and haha or you're not watching your child or your dog which is a concern exactly (laughs) and there needs to be a a clear line between rough play, which is should not be allowed, and safe play. Mm-hmm. Rough play being, um, like I said, pushing, pulling, grabbing, having the having mouthy dogs, that could be really scary because, you know, that dog should never put its mouth on a child or a human. So your kid's, you know, ripping stuff out of its mouth, it's pulling on it, and, you know, that dog's getting aggravated, you know, snapping at it. A puppy, you know, when they get frustrated and you're, you're messing with them, they're going to snap at you. You know, they don't, you think it's funny because it's, you know, reacting, but it's in that long run. Until you're crying in pain. Exactly. And And that dog's going to grow. Those teeth are sharp. And to kids, that's scary. You may ruin that experience for the kid to ever want a dog. And for that dog, it could be a death sentence. Mm -hmm. So that's super important. Safe play should be mainly, you know, playing with a ball, mental stimulation toys, um, Walking the dog, taking it out for a walk, throwing the frisbee, playing yeah, tug of war is biggest, totally okay too. Absolute biggest pet peeve, one thousand percent, is running and screaming, chasing That's the exactly. dog. That's exactly. And like, even when their dog is, I'm gonna do air quotes for people just listening. For 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 those dogs who are enjoying being chased, um, you're still you're sort of saying to the child like okay this is acceptable behavior and if you go out into a public setting that might end well if they do that to another dog or another kid even Um, yeah a dog to the kid Mm -hmm. and like that again you could have a herding breed and running children means they get the nip at those kids because you know herding breeds are prone to nipping Mm -hmm. that's a huge thing is why is my healer biting my ankles why is my border collie nipping at my arm you know they're they're herding breeds too so you also have to keep in mind the type of dog you have and if you have kids you need to teach them respect and the dog respect for the kids the dog should never be putting its mouth onto the kids um kids should never be riding dogs that is horrible for the back that's just asking for a slip disc and then you're going to have a paralyzed dog who came and go to the bathroom on its own um you know toys playing with toys training is a good form of playing Mm-hmm. You getting that dog to learn new tricks that's a good form of mental stimulation and playing and growing your bond and trust with the dog um even you know just regular exercise uh, i think a lot of issues is people don't redirect issue 
um, when things start. Mm -hmm. uh, redirecting being like, say your dog's chewing on, you know, trying to nip at you. Redirect it to a toy or stop altogether. Redirection or stop. Don't feed into the dog. Don't, you know, smack in the face. Don't mm -hmm. go and, you know, try to rip stuff out of its mouth. Um, Especially one, if it's just a teething puppy, because exactly. it's just like they don't know any better. Yeah, and you don't want it. Just it's in pain. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> um, and it's just super important that either you stop altogether. You guys just stop. The dog learns that as soon as it stops, it's not getting any attention. It's not getting any reward. It's not getting any sort of you know attention to it. Yeah, or, a lot of dogs hate being ignored. I've noticed. Exactly. Like if you deliberately ignore them, they're almost like. Wait a minute. Walk away. <laughs> Do not antagonize the dog. And I know that's a lot of kids is they like to antagonize dogs. Yeah. You know, and that's how these situations happen where the dog ends up biting mm -hmm. or is playing too rough and the kid gets hurt and vice versa. The kid, you know, could potentially even hurt the dog. There's so many times where we had kids fall on dogs and the dog, like I said, slipped disc or a broken leg. I've got a horror, <laughs> horror story. <laughs> Absolutely, I forget. I forget where I heard this f story, but family uh, was hosting Christmas party, and they invited all their family from all over. So family was like flying in, driving in from all different states, all over, and so so even if. You don't have a dog. You should probably teach your children how to be around a dog. <laughs> exactly. So so family gets there, whatever. They're doing Christmas. Um, I guess some of the children were like wrestling, roughhousing with each other. Mm -hmm. And one of them like fell off the couch mm -hmm. onto this their family's Yorkie and squashed it and killed it. Oh, yeah. And... Obviously, so they're visiting. It was an accident. They obviously, or most likely, didn't do it on purpose. Mm -hmm. But there was either lack of supervision or lack of like thinking from exactly. the parents in that situation. I mean, you can't expect the child. I mean, that's to know better. Yeah, that's why there's so many laws against children. They can't think like that. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, you've got to be seriously careful, especially if you got those little dogs with kids, because if they're they're not so familiar, breakable, oh, yeah. Like I can't imagine, like how I see so many broken legs. Let's how just say that. Quick to ruin Christmas. Very you just quick. killed the dog. You just killed the family dog. Oh my god. Yeah, like, and that whew. sucks. And you know, I think another thing is only adults should be feeding the dog too. Um, I don't think you should make it a kid's responsibility to feed the dog because. Until you know that dog is safe around children, around food, that's like a big thing. I think the the dog should only be fed by the adults until it's older, and then you can like task the child to feed the dog. I see a lot of people like, well, it's the kid's responsibility to feed the dog. One, they don't know how to much to feed the dog. Mm -hmm. Two, what if that dog's reactive and he's setting the bull down and he's not fast enough to pull his arm away? Yeah, you no, know, you gotta think about that. Um, and then. I personally, like I said earlier, recommend feeding in a kennel because, again, it gives the dog a safe space to eat in peace. The children can't bother it because it's in a kennel behind walls. It feels safe. It feels safe. And, you know, you can work on any issues with, you know, 
food aggression or being able to put food down and take it away, a lot of people should work on that as the dog is a puppy. So the puppy learns that people can touch the food and stuff like that. And I can't recommend those slow feeders enough. The little maize bowls. Especially for puppies. Yeah. Gosh, the Bailey and Banjo eat one piece of kibble at a time. It's the cutest little thing to watch. They just... (laughs) Yeah. You know, like if I got to touch the bowl, totally fine. You know, they're not, it's not this rush of I need to gorge yeah. my kibble. And down. some puppies do that. And some puppies are like labs and goldens. Yeah. They'll eat until Just they die. Yeah. You know? um, so that's like super important as well. Yeah. It's actually interesting. Um, I imagine they would eat themselves literally to death if given whereas, an opportunity. Yeah. Whereas with we've banjo had food bloat dogs. Yeah. Yeah, and it must be nasty. It, it, it you gotta cut the stomach open. Yeah, you, you just, have to take everything out. It's pr- pretty much considered a foreign foreign body at that point. Um, like we had a my own family dog growing up it was like a little staffy mix. Loves food. Will eat. She ate a whole bag, a whole bag. And I think it was like a twenty pound bag that'd be brought to the ER, and then her stomach pumped in. You know, we're lucky that we were able to do that. If it was too firm, she would have had to go into surgery. Is that typically a breed or a personality thing, do you think? Both. Both. Some dogs are just very, you know, food-motivated dogs. Again, like I mentioned, golden retrievers and labs tend to be very food-motivated. Because sometimes Bailey will eat half her breakfast, Mm -hmm. and she won't finish it until we go to the dog park. Exercise, yeah. And then she'll come home, and she'll sort of... Ooh, and I'll be like, what does she want? Oh, she didn't finish her breakfast. Let me go get yeah. her breakfast, you know? Yeah. Um, Shiloh and Fable are both, you know, free-fed because they eat... Grazers. They eat their grazers. Yeah. So um, typically they don't eat unless they're exercised, especially Shiloh. I struggle. I've never had a dog just leave food <laughs> until I had him. Yeah. Jetta, she'll eat her food routine. It's just a routine for her. She eats her breakfast, goes and goes for a walk. Shiloh won't look at his breakfast. We'll maybe start picking her at it around noon um, if I have to work. Otherwise, I run him in the morning, and then as soon as we get back, he eats. Um, he's also weird. He eats. I'll, I'll fill. He gets seven cups, and that lasts him the whole day. Um, him and Fable because they share. They share the same bowl. They're that's weird. So cute. Um, that's also something to be really careful about. Most dogs don't like sharing food bowls. Mm-hmm. My dogs are a weird exception. And when Shiloh eats, he literally eats like one side of like half, like That's one so side cool. of the bowl. I have pictures. It's so weird. I, I'm like, you can't just like pick on the top. He has to eat yeah. half to the bottom That's and so then cool. there's the other half or can a quarter. I, can I ask you something really difficult and I don't want to make you cry or anything? Okay, let's hear it. But just thinking about that, I it, it makes me think of dogs I've heard of in the past where it's like they passed away and like. Like, just thinking about that, it's like a situation where, like, Fable might eat half her bowl if Shiloh was gone. And it's like she's leaving it, even though he's not there. Yeah. Like, have you ever heard of things like that? Yeah. You know? I mean, I've heard, like, it's you like, know, some dogs my... split treats and they yeah. don't eat the other treat, you know, because yeah. it's so used to having that other half to mm-hmm. the other dog. I mean. That's so beautiful. It is. In my opinion. Like, the fact that they. Remember. Can. Can. I mean, just the fact that two dogs can, like, eat from the same bowl is, like, to because doggy dinner here is, like, very, I've got to, like, everybody's in a different room. Yep. I don't want any issues. Nope. Because um, fights will 
kick off real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's just so cute. That's such a beautiful little. <laughs> it's it's really weird. And uh, yeah. I personally love it. But it's something, you know, not everyone can do, mm-hmm. um, especially if like you have an older and younger dog. That older dog may snap at the younger dog and that may r- cause food aggression yep. in the future for both. Um, but it, it, it is cute. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> Um, I think that's a lot of things for children. Um, they just should never just be unsupervised with children. Yeah. Case in point, that's yeah. that's the main thing. Um, so when then this isn't necessarily a breed specific, but uh, when looking at a dog, factoring in puppy versus like an adult. Um, everybody likes a puppy. I mean, some people some people prefer to just get an older dog, which That's is my totally mom. yeah, totally cool. She always adopted older dogs. Just don't want to deal with puppy puppy train. Yeah, yeah, she she's like, I don't want to potty train it. I want it to be able to go out on its own. Yep. Um, but puppy versus adult. Yeah, yeah. So thinking, you know, that's something to consider. You know, when you're thinking about your lifestyle. Can your lifestyle handle a puppy, yep. or can it handle a little bit more mature older dog? Even or even a, a senior with a puppy when you first get it i mean i feel like you should take those first few weeks as much time off as you can to make that imprint yeah get that routine you know the the you don't want to be trying to set up a routine at month eight you exactly. want to set up that positive routine right from the Just beginning get-co, exactly so. um i think it's a preference of you know lifestyle and i think it it's you know, either is okay. There's no wrong answer. You can either get a puppy um, purchaser, adopt, or you can either get an adult purchaser, adopt. I think either is fine. It's just making sure, again, they learn your lifestyle. The routine is super important for both of them. They're both new to you. Some adults aren't even used to home life. Some are strays. You got to keep that in mind too. Even though it's an adult, it may not have no like any home life experience. Daisy, Um, uh, who loves to go with Shiloh there. Yeah. Uh, when Jane adopted her, she was living down south, I think, just on a farm. And it's like she was just pretty much outside 24-7, never inside. Yeah. And so she had no potty training. You know, you think like, oh, I'm getting this older dog. It's going to know basic. And not necessarily. Exactly. You know, like she had to, you know, even still to this day, it's like she's got half her house gated off because if she gives Daisy too much room, yeah oh well i can go yeah. to the bathroom over here exactly oh. and that's like normal that can, is technically normal mm-hmm. you know it takes time for dogs to learn any dog to learn a routine any age and yep. you know it's just setting it up for success um you shouldn't get frustrated with either because it neither knows any better you know unless you get your dog from a professionally trained you know facility mm-hmm. which aka you know most service dogs are trained and ready to go um they're not the same as you know house pets <laughs> yeah um and so when you're looking for you know whatever whatever breed or age you do decide on just look out for the red flags Highly recommend just go back, watch episode four. <laughs> we talk for like two hours about every red flag, every green flag, what to look for. Exactly. Um, so just 
select a breed on your lifestyle and and do do your research exactly and that whoever you get your dog from responsible ones will always be able to be reached via email phone call text any sort of way to be able to help you guide you in situations that you're not sure on or if you have questions or if you need to be you know referred to a trainer that's something to consider also look into trainers when you get a puppy even just for like socialization with other dogs that you know are vaccinated because most trainers require vaccines Mm -hmm. um it's really good for puppy socialization as well as you know starting to get those basics um and i think it's also just really important because you know you want to set your dog up for success as well you know things to have before (laughs) you get the puppy vet appointment Feds are scheduling out, you know, two, three months now. Um, Insurance, you know, have the puppy, but before the vet appointment, within the wait period time, depending on your insurance, Mm -hmm. have that. And then also be able to find a trainer that can help you or, you know, start researching trainers that could help you. And one thing I'd highly recommend, um, and this will be hit or miss with a puppy that you haven't got yet because most daycares are going to want certificates show, you know, showing vaccines. vaccines and whatnot. But I'd still recommend reaching out. Um, a lot of the, like, I mean, I've got a waiting list. Most of the dog walkers I know in this area are full and have a waiting list. Yeah. So and I, I think would, some daycares even too. Yeah, I would highly recommend finding somebody who's going to be able to that A, you can trust, uh, but B, that's able to take your dog before you get the dog because you don't want to get the dog and then be like, oh, crap, I, oh, I can't do anything. Yeah. Um, so consider that, like, you know, like, even if they require the vaccines and the, you know, temperament test and blah, 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 mm-hmm. it still would be advisable to reach out beforehand and just yeah. be like, hey, I'm thinking of getting a puppy mm-hmm. in X weeks, this breed. Is that something you would consider potentially yeah, exactly. watching, walking, daycare, whatever? Um, and I will say you have to be careful with some daycares, like large end daycares where they have like 30, 40 dogs in a yard. You know, fights do happen over the most random things. So we also have to be careful with which daycare preferably small run you know someone that doesn't have 30 plus dogs with them that won't be able to give your dog the individual attention it needs you know every dog needs that individual attention to really thrive and to give it a safe space from other dogs because yep. 30 plus dogs is not gonna it's overwhelming it's very overwhelming <laughs> and it can cause a lot of stress and anxiety for dogs as well i think wolf packs in the wild are like five six wolves yeah. you know so like a lot of times when i go to the dog park like my pack is just a bit over that you know yeah. not like 30 crazy dogs yeah dog, you know we might have eight nine uh and that just keeps it yeah safe yeah. and what you would do is very different than a daycare mm-hmm. because you you're you know focusing on the exercise aspect as well as you know individual attention versus a daycare is just throwing a bunch of dogs and may temperament test it but that is not foolproof and that's just like a small enclosed fence in area where dogs are just running back and forth and you know antagonizing each other and one thing i've learned so like at the dog park if i sit in one spot 
for two hours, they get riled up and angry. But if I walk the whole time, mm-hmm. we're getting new stimuli, new experiences, exactly. new, and they just it keeps them occupied. Exactly. Um, and you know, that's like a a big thing to consider too is making sure you don't just jump right into a large end daycare. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just you know. Pers- yeah, you my can, personal preference. If you, if you have a puppy who's never who's seen one or two dogs, and then all of a sudden it's this, thrown into this, yeah. Like even when I, uh, it's rare nowadays, but when I'd get a new dog for mm. the pack, little things, I would pick them up first before I'd get the pack. That way, it's like, all right, new puppy, boom, got you first. Now, as we pick everybody up, you're, you're getting more one by yeah. one. You're not just thrown into a car with ten Str- dogs. Strangers, like, Whoa, yeah, what is, yeah. You know, so. Um, you got to really think of, think of everything. Um, so setting, setting realistic expectations. I know we talked a little bit about this, but you know, potty training and routine, um, you know, puppies are very, very straightforward. Mm -hmm. You wake up, you take them outside. The first thing you do, don't let them walk, just pick them up, take them outside. Usually puppies are small enough for you to carry at that point. So, um, take them outside, give them a little bit. Go bathroom. If you don't pick it up. It is going to pee yep. between point A and B. Exactly. It's gonna happen. It's a puppy. They don't. It's just like a little infant child. It's take five steps and then go. Okay. Yep. This is good. Yep. Exactly. So take it out. Bring it in. Feed it. Immediately take it right back out because that food will stimulate digestion and that's gonna make it want to go to bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, right after that, it's every couple of hours as they're young. You know, every one to two hours or after any nap. After any drinking, any snacks, any training, take it right outside. You know, it's if it if your puppy has an accident in your house, it's typically either I wasn't paying attention, or uh, or it's just like been too long. As as the as the puppies I've noticed tend to get better with the potty training. As long it's easier to like. Oh crap! If I just had let him out five minutes ago, exactly, I wouldn't have had that poop on my floor. <laughs> exactly, and it, it's super important. Lots of positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. praise, cookies, pets when they go outside. Make it a party. Make it the best yeah. thing that they ever did. Every single time they go to the bathroom outside, when they go inside, and try to wait till after they're done. Yeah, wait not, until after. Not right <laughs> in the middle. If they start to pee, don't don't start to ah. Oh, yeah. this, this, what? <laughs> um. Like, it's also super important, like, even in the middle of, like, playtime, take it outside because, you know, it's running around. It's mm-hmm. getting stimulated. It's going to need to go. Um, as they get older, they should be able to, excuse me, hold um, their bladder or bowel movements longer and longer. But you got to get to that point and, you know, co- have that routine where the dog is like, okay, I'm, I should be going out soon. I don't have to go just yet. I can hold it for a little longer. I think I'm going out soon. And then, you know, if you don't, it's going to go in the house. And if you do, then it's, it's the best thing ever for it. Yeah, and I've seen, um, like, uh, a few of my clients, like, they've trained their dogs where they've got bells on the back door. Yep, that's a good... If the dog needs to pee, it goes and it rings the, the, the bells. And yep. they know, okay. You know, and obviously you can't expect your 20-week-year-old... The uh, 20-week-year-old. <laughs> your 20-week-old puppy to, like, understand, like, oh, bells, potty, blah, blah, blah. Uh but once they hit like one or two, yeah, you know, they that's going to be such a things. good routine yeah. where you guys are working off each other. Exactly. Like, oh, he needs to go out. I can let him out. Exactly. I'm very lucky. Um, Fable will wake me up if she has to go about. She just starts. Um, like wine or something. She 
does like this little wolf. It's like a howl wolf almost. Yeah. And then she'll paw at me, and I'm like, thank God you tell me because I'd, I'd be dead asleep right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of they'll paw at the door. Like, oh, there's yeah. usually very distinct, like the whining. Yep. And you'll know if you did, weren't listening. Exactly. Because you'll find that, wow, you peed on the floor. It's like, well, yeah, they were whining. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you were, they, you, they give you a you sign. You pause your video game. Yep. It's like, <laughs> so that is like usually the, like you said earlier first thing to train dogs is you know potty training is you know and every dog learns at a different rate so you can't get frustrated because some dogs are sadly smarter than others yeah. um i didn't fable was didn't have one accident when i had her jenna had a few and she caught on right after that and then shiloh I, he took me a couple of weeks but every dog learns at a different rate and it's not something you can really rush if you rush it the dogs are going to be confused. And if, if... If you go too slow, you're going to have bathroom accidents in the house. So. Yeah. And as far as accidents in the house go, expect them okay. and accept them. Exactly. It's going to happen. If you think, oh, I can do it with... It's... You're delusional. There's going to be accidents. You can't go ballistic. Don't lose your mind. Don't yell. The dog doesn't it understand sucks. why it happens. It's gross. Why it's getting yelled at. Yeah. The dog just had to poop. It yeah. doesn't know. Exactly. It's 18 weeks old, and it's like... Whoop. It's like telling an infant child, you know, you're not allowed to go to the bathroom mm -hmm. for this amount of time. That child is going to go when it wants to go because right. it doesn't know any better, and it has that stimulation where it its stuff is going and GI system's going, and it's going to go. You know, yeah. that's why gating and crating is a good tool for potty training, so gating being in an area where you're okay with accidents happening. So a tile floor or hardwood floor or a floor that has, has linoleum, <laughs> linoleum on it. <laughs> um, so keeping that dog in that certain area as it learns to go to the bathroom outside. And eventually the dog will start sensing, oh, I'm on grass. I'll go outside. Yep. And or, oh, I'm in the woods. I'll go in the woods. Um Especially if you're giving it that that praise every time, exactly, you know, it's like, oh, this is a good thing. This is fun. And then they start to uh, have sense on their, you know, what their paws are touching is gonna stimulate them too. So, oh, I'm on the grass. Might as well go pee while I'm here. Um, yeah, they Bailey. Every time I pull in the driveway, like I just dropped off dogs. We went to the dog park. I'm dropping dogs off. All right, we're home. We get out. I'm walking up the steps. Boom, she pees, and up the steps she follows me. Like, she yeah. just, at this point, knows, got to pee while I can. Exactly. And it's just so, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, recall, I think, would be the next really important thing to work on, mm -hmm. uh, especially when they're young. I recommend teaching recall with a whistle because that's going to get a lot further and louder than your voice. And mm -hmm. whenever they heal, hear the whistle, they should be coming to you. You want to start inside, no distractions. Then you want to work to maybe outside your yard with very minimal distractions. And then the further the dog gets away and comes back to those, increase more and more distractions. Go to a park with a long leash. Go to a very large enclosed area and be working with that. You don't have to use a whistle. You can have a, the come command or hear command. But I find a whistle is really loud and you know dog hearing is so much better than we are and yeah. more sensitive to it so i find that travels a lot further 
So say your dog is off in the woods and you can't see it, you don't know how far away it is, and you're ye- you've been yelling its name and it hasn't come, a whistle would be something smart. Another thing is to have potentially like a GPS collar, especially when you're training recall, and just you know for peace of mind, that's always a good backup. Is my personal preference. Yeah. Um, with recall, uh, I hate seeing dogs trained with a e collar for recall. Should always be a positive experience to come back to you. Exactly. They should want to. It shouldn't be a punishment yeah a pain response to come running back to you for comfort type of situation Mm -hmm. because now the dog's scared out and you know say it's in the middle of the woods and it gets shocked it doesn't know why it's getting shocked usually or and and it's also not ready at that point you know so like the dog park is a great place to work on that recall because like you said there's all that distraction there might be 20 dogs over there on the hill and, oh, I want to go play. I want to go play. But uh, it's not safe for that puppy to go play because it might get beat up, might get It's just too whatever, small. Whatever, might run yeah. away. So, so working on that recall while it's sort of keeping an eye on those distractions is, yeah, it's, it's critical. Mm-hmm. And if, it's, if that's something that you don't consistently work on, you're just going to... That's a lifelong thing. It's not even yeah. just like a, a one and done. Nope. It's a lifelong. It's always mm-hmm. practicing, always calling your dog back at different um, distances. Even though the dog is very reliable, it's always that one time, you know, that could be, you know, if the dog's off. Yep. So constant reinforcement of that training will prevent accidents and it's, you know very safe in the long run with puppies because they are so they can be skittish i saw a guy the other day at the dog park we were at uh so there's the front gate and about 50 feet in i'll be generous there's the dumpster Mm -hmm. and then the the path kind of splits you know and you're you go into the park you got acres and acres well this older gentleman brought a puppy German Shepherd unleashed it. It came through the gate and it found another puppy. They were playing. It got overstimulated or something. Some mm-hmm. uh, it it got shy and timid. And it, I'm just watching, thinking to myself, I can just see it slow. Like I I've learned all the behavior mm-hmm. and the 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 postures, and I'm just saying, oh my gosh, I can I'm. I know that this dog in a couple minutes or whatever is about to go out that front gate because it's yeah not feeling this. And they were just playing. It wasn't honestly anything and bad. Exactly. And that, you know, some, you know, say that dog steps on a rock wrong while it's playing, it's going to mm-hmm. get scared. Yep. Or that dog's chasing after it causes like a, a fear response, fight or flight. And a lot yeah. of times puppies are going to flight because they're not big enough to fight. Yeah, so this this dog goes running out the front gate mm-hmm. at some point. It it and this is all maybe over two minutes because I'm on my way out, mm-hmm. and so it goes out the front gate. the The puppy that it's playing with chases it. The owners of the non German Shepherd puppy rightly are like, ah, they freak out yeah. because oh my gosh, not only did your dog just run out of the gate, but our dog ran out of the gate. So they they were. They were probably like 15 feet from the gate and they're freaking out. They run, 
and they're like sort of coaxing the dog, both dogs to come back in. Both dogs luckily came back in. The German Shepherd's owner, he's all the way by the dumpster. He probably said the dog's name 50 times by now. Yeah. And of course, it's not, and not that, listening. And that just says, pros that that dog wasn't ready. Not ready. One, and its so, confidence wasn't ready for mm-hmm. a dog park. And two, it, you know, training-wise wasn't right. ready. And so now I've got my eight dogs and I am in between the front gate and the dumpster. So I'm sort of smack dab in the middle and I'm taking the left going out through the woods. And I'm just saying to myself, oh God, I guarantee this shit. Yep, here he comes. <laughs> the shepherd puppy's checking him out. He's following us. And that trail leads, you know, pretty much the same way right out to the parking lot. And so I just, I, I kind of looking back feel a little bit bad because I was a little like rushed, but I was like, hey, you need to get your dog on a leash. It's not listening to you. Yeah. I, I know so many dogs who have run out and gotten, and gotten killed. Yeah. And his response was, oh, yeah, she doesn't get out too much. She's just, you know, a little, little excited. And it's like there was no like urgency yeah. in his. And he's still over by the dog. And I'm just like, fuck, this dog is sadly probably going to. It just it was such a crappy situation where yeah. it's like you're. Maybe being ignorant, maybe you're just not aware. You know, I don't want to judge. I don't want to yeah. say you're a bad owner. You just might yeah. not be. Like, you this should, might be your yeah. first, but it might not even have been his dog. Yeah. Which, not a great idea to bring him to an office yeah. dog park. But either way, it was very clear. The dog was overwhelmed that, and that, that undertrained. Would, yeah. A, a leash would have gone a long way yeah. in that situation where you know, okay, he's not. Like a big long lead, cool. He can play with that dog, but he can't run away. Exactly. Someone will be able to grab that leash between mm-hmm. the gate and the the highway. Yeah. That's right there. So a leash, leash is one of my favorite tools. Yep. I use a leash and a, and muzzles. Leash um, and muzzles are good. Um, obviously, be careful with you know leash to leash greets because mm-hmm. it can be tension in the line, and then you know they feel that tension. And some dogs are just straight up leash reactive. So mm-hmm. you got to be careful with that. But leashes are a really good tool to be able to get your dog back. And once you have it, your dog back to keep it on the leash, even a long lead to be safe. Yeah, I I personally, when I walk Bailey and Banjo on leash or on the neighborhood, I personally don't like to stop and let them interact with it, other dogs. That's a good idea. Um, I feel like that's more geared towards the off-leash dog park where they can be themselves exactly. together They can freely. also get away. They have more of a chance right. to get away. Where, not when they're restrained, they feel that restriction and they exactly. know. Um, so if you've got a puppy, you're walking around the neighborhood um, and across the street, there's a dog walking by and it's barking. Know that it's not necessarily barking because it wants to eat your puppy. Some dogs just get excited when they see other puppies or other dogs. But just be mindful that leash to leash interactions can be can be scary. Pretty bad, yeah. yeah. They're not the greatest. Um so just be mindful when you're walking your new puppy, because everybody wants to stop and see the puppy. Uh just be careful with other meet with, and greets with other, with other dogs. Other dogs, yeah. But um, and that is really good socialization too mm-hmm. with humans coming up and meeting your dog to help prevent human reactivity, because some dogs are prone to that. 
yep. um, having them come up and praise your puppy and you can give them treats to give to your puppy so they know that people aren't like a big bad scare thing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't want them in the long run, you know, running up to people to get food. But um, if you know your dog is or breed is prone to human reactivity, that's something you could work with. Um, another thing is jumping. I personally either you train a command for jumping or your dog doesn't jump at all on people, obviously onto um, couches and beds and stuff that's human dependent, but um, everybody's going to vary. I don't think that'll make or break your dog, whether or not you let it on your couch in your bed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's definitely like a, I think that's more, what do you prefer? (laughs) Dog. It's also dog. um, Some dogs resource guard beds Hmm. and couches. Yeah. Banjo. Yeah. Um, If, if, if another dog wants to try to snuggle us, yeah. the banjo's between us, you see the, 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 the teeth the, the, the going, hat, yeah. the teeth yeah. come out, and, yeah. you know, he'll, he'll kind of <laughs> give a growl, and it's like yeah. sort of just saying, like, hey, this is my space. Exactly. <laughs> and um, they can even be resource reactive to people on those things. My old mm-hmm. Mastiff was not allowed on couches or beds because he would growl and try to bite. So you know make sure they know their place if they're gonna react that sort of way don't let them continue that behavior don't let them be on the couch make sure they're no they can't react like that Mm -hmm. um guarding you know beds is like so ridiculously stupid (laughs) that is something for them to guard but they may have never had a bed in their life you know especially now like just thinking so like all right say you're some someone who's single what happens if you start dating someone moves in and they're possessive of that bed like yeah there's a lot to think about exactly so yeah i I think a lot of that whole like potty training jumping recall a lot of that because I see a lot online, like, my puppy's 18 weeks. He's still having accidents. It's like, give them time. Exactly. They're routine babies. And they like, need a routine. <laughs> yeah. Um, think, of a, think of how much more useless, if you will, a human child is compared to a dog at birth. Exactly. And the and dogs mature a lot faster, too. And human. you're very lucky yeah. that they don't take four or five years to be potty trained. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, big things, the basics should always be taught first. Potty training, recall. Um, sit, stay, come, down, look at me, or and heal and leave it. Leave it's a big one too because mm-hmm. um, last thing you need is a dog eating something off the ground that you dropped. You may have that little Swiffer dog that, you know, picks up every little thing that you drop. And something could be toxic, so leave it is a good one. Um, and then other tricks and commands can be taught in a, as a form of mental stimulation. And um, But focusing on the basics, I think, are the big things. Yeah. Um, to set your dog up for success, at least. Yeah, so leashes. Just sort of hopping back to leashes. I love leashes. One of my favorite tools. When I get a new dog, so I just started watching... Just for the week, the owners went to Disney. Yay, fun. But I got uh, Shoshana, Morty, and Summer. So, a little insight into like a dog walker's mind. The things I need to think of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they went away. I'm taking them for the week, and I want to bring them to the dog park. Um I need to, so I met all three of them. 
brought them home and I needed to fill out their personalities. Mm-hmm. All right, Summer, she's a young puppy. She seems very malleable. She's all about me. Cool. Shoshana, she was very with me or whatever. Morty seemed a little on edge. He seemed a little like, I don't know if I want to trust you yet. What not. So I, so I had to sort of know in my head, like, all right, if I go to the dog park, there is a chance that they can escape mm-hmm. and get into real danger. So I need to obviously mitigate that, avoid that. Mm-hmm. So leashes are a great way exactly. to obviously do that. So what I did today, today was the first day. I've had them since Monday. Mm-hmm. Today was the first day I brought them to the dog park off leash. Shauna and Summer, I both felt very confident that they would stay with me just based on the past two days. Mm-hmm. Morty, it was a little, I don't know. So I had him on a leash. We started our walk. And what I'm feeling for is like his tension in the leash. Is he trying to get away? Is he trying to go like different directions than the pack? Or is he trying to stay with my pack? Mm-hmm. Um, is he, you know, like, is he constantly tense and pulling or is he sometimes relaxed? Like there's a lot of little subtle things you can pick up. And so after about five minutes, I came to the conclusion like, okay, I can drop this leash. He should be okay. So I did. He was okay. And we stayed there for like two hours, had no issues. Um, but without a leash there, I wouldn't feel confident doing that. Yeah. Um, Cause I was really able to feel them out. And so anytime I have like new dogs, I really like to use a leash to just feel their energy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you can get a long lead because that'll, I, uh, if you get a dog who's not used to you, like Morty, Morty's got great, great recall with his owners, but he might, yeah, he doesn't stranger, know me. So. Yeah. I'm a stranger. Uh, so he he's not necessarily thinking like, oh, I got to go listen to him. Um, so it's just a good way with a long lead. I was able to sort of like, all right, if I let him go a little, mm-hmm. can I kind of reel him back in without the leash? You know, and I, you just kind of test the waters. And um, so that's like one of my one of my favorite tools, leash. Yeah. leash. Um, I feel like almost all behavioral issues can be solved with a leash mm-hmm. to some extent. Um, and like I mentioned, I also use muzzles. Yeah. Muzzles I love because. And what you mean is box, like the box muzzles, the basket muzzles. Yeah. They're not like a a muzzle to keep the dog's mouth closed, a basket muzzle to be able to interact. They can can pant, they can bark. Uh, Banjo, Banjo's pretty much the main one who wears one. He can drink water. Mm -hmm. He can do it all in this muzzle except for put his teeth on another dog yeah um why is he in a muzzle usually he'll and he doesn't do it as much now he's learned but he would pull his sister's tail when they were like running you know mm-hmm. that hurting instinct he would just grab it yank it and mm-hmm. she's got like this kink in it from so yeah. i was like all right we obviously don't like that so the options there are well i can muzzle him and work on it or i can shock him and work on it and so I went with, let's muzzle him mm-hmm. um, because I want him to still be confident in running. I just want him to learn to not to bite. I felt like if I used a, a e-collar there and I either shock or vibrate him when he did it, it might just 
It might throw them off. It this, could cause this a, is even such more a, of a big issue too. Yeah, this is a tough converse, or conversation that would have to go like so deep. But yeah, with the muzzle, does it stop? It stops him from from pulling her tail or from biting, and it still lets me work work on him. So so say 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 he did have that he still had that issue where he's biting her tail, yanking it. The the muzzle lets me prevent that. And then I can use a leash for if he does start to like overwhelm her and like knock her over and bully her and get mm. into that crazy state, you know, like I can use the Reel leash and control him and, and calm him down. Or I could get the, sh- you know, the shock collar, shock him. He stopped. Great. And there's that whole can of worms get into of like psychological yeah. damage there. Um, And, you know... Sighthounds, a lot of sighthounds require muzzles when they go run because they also nip. You mm-hmm. know, that's their prey drive. They're chasing something. They may nip at each other. Yep. That's why you, when you see, like, coursing greyhounds or borzois or even Rhodesian Ridbacks and Whippets and all those breeds you see, um, usually they have a, a basket muzzle on be- mm-hmm. to protect each other because right. at one time a dog will bite could ruin another dog's you know, enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's not, so if you see a dog wearing a muzzle, cause I get it a lot, they think it's a bad dog. Yeah. They'll see Banjo coming and the look in their eyes, the, they'll, they'll just 90 degree turn and just start walking, you know, like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Um, don't, don't look at muzzles, at muzzled dogs as, bad dogs you should actually look at it like oh wow look somebody's actually doing due diligence and trying to better that dog exactly without like hurting it some dogs just eat stuff on the ground and need a muzzle so rocks poop exactly and they might be muzzled because it's a poop eater you know you you can't or it eats rocks and it has a history of needing surgery because it Mm -hmm. and that's very expensive as well and that's the owner trying to be responsible financially to you know Protect their dog, protect their wallet. <laughs> yeah. I think in a nutshell, what I would say, if I had to put like a blanket statement, any issue you run into is going to be resolvable by a leash and muzzle. Whereas I feel like an e-collar, typically, I, I don't want to say 100% of the time because I don't know, but uh, typically the e-collar is going to be... um. Not as a, f- okay, it might be more, f- might be more effective short term than the leash and muzzle, mm-hmm. but it's like the lazy way out. Yeah. And long term, the like, psychological like, damage. Like working with the leash and the muzzle might take me a few months. It took me a few months with Banjo with that muzzle to not only get him used to wearing it, but for him to learn like, okay, I can't bite. I could have gone and got the e-collar and just zzz, okay boom problem solved real quick or it could but it's not really the problem too. solved exactly like yeah. you, it's more of a a band-aid i feel like yeah. like i see here's the thing i don't want him to have to wear the muzzle 100 percent of the time if i yeah. trained him off the shot collar he'd need it 100 percent of the time mm-hmm. and i'd buzz him every time he acted up but i'd rather just not have him act up exactly and so it's it's teaching him 
what's okay, what's not okay while being safe. If that if that if if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you also got to think of the psychological stuff, you know, you see dogs whenever the owner holds up their hand, they think it has the zap, zap collar, and mm. the dog's immediately in a different um, like mind state mindset, just, yeah. and they're a lot more scared. And you know, even it could cause reactivity. You know, the dog gets shocked; it doesn't know why it's getting shocked. But there's another dog right next to it. Did that dog mm-hmm. just bite me? I'm gonna go attack it now. And it could cause a complete opposite reaction of what you want. Yeah. Um, you, yes, e collars can be used, and I think very specific dogs need them Mm -hmm. but in the long run i don't think it's healthy mentally for the dog no i i 100 agree and i think that's honestly a topic we'll have to like just like yeah do like a deep dive sort of specifically well one one tool i haven't utilized a whole lot is a crate Mm -hmm. which i'm sure you can probably lend some 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 insight on to but um real quick i guess uh nutshell from me i don't think it should be used as punishment i nope. think it should I be agree. a safe place yeah and um i'm 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 very torn i'm very like down the middle with crates mm-hmm. personally I think that they can be a good thing to keep your dog safe. Mm-hmm. If I'm going out and I want to know that they're safe, if I put them in the crate, I know they're safe. Mm-hmm. If I want no doubt in my mind. Um, but I'm also like such an empath <laughs> that like I sometimes get in my own head. Like I've got a dog, Sadie, who I watch, who I love. When I pick her up, I pick her up from her house and she's in in her crate. So say I say I get her at like nine a.m. Mm-hmm. Take her out of the crate. She might have been in there for like an hour. Go to the dog park, run, have fun, blah blah blah. Drop her off, say at one p.m. and put her back in the crate. I think she's then in the crate till like six p.m. when like the owners get home mm-hmm. or five p.m., which is a decent amount of time. So that sometimes tears me up in that. I can sometimes get lost in the, is that too long? And is, is she not being neglected, but is it, is it too much? And then at the same time, I'm like, well, I know she's safe. Yeah. She can't get into anything. And you like, also got to keep in mind, you know, most of the time when owners aren't home, dogs are sleeping. Yeah. They're just knocked out. <laughs> so what you should expect is her just to be sleeping. Especially that after going to exactly. the dog park, she's wiped out usually. Exactly. And, you know, you don't, you shouldn't have to really worry about them, you know, you know, if it's more than eight plus hours, then it'd be like, okay, that's kind of ridiculous. But mm-hmm. five, six, you know, because she has to, the owner has, is at work for a short amount of time, or like you said, you took her to the park and now she has to wait for her owners to get home. Mm-hmm. I see it as a safe place and, you know, you know, she's not destroying anything or getting into anything chewing on anything that could be potentially dangerous mm-hmm. she's in a spot where she's comfortable and knows she's safe in there and then typically people you know have beds in there or a toy or something some type of chew to keep them you know mentally awesome. simulated if she's not just gonna sleep uh like i said you don't have to always use crates but i think it's a good tool in the beginning and then you can wean off of them 
and just have the crate, you know, set up for, you know, when the dog wants to be left alone. Dog goes in its crate, knows it, it's going to be alone, doesn't want anyone to mess with it. It's going to go in the crate, you know, not going to mm-hmm. be bothered. Or you could use, like I said, gates. Gates is another good option if they have a safe spot in their home where they can set up some tall gates that they know the dog won't jump over. This is going to be respectful of, you know, in that area. And it's a little bigger, but again, most of the time when people aren't home, their dogs are sleeping, drinking some water, going, looking out the window, you know, they live a kind of boring life when we're not home. Yeah, I think I read that dogs actually sleep more than cats, which (laughs) when you think about how much cats sleep, it's like, oof. And I I feel, no, seriously, my dogs do sleep a lot, a lot, but they also do live a very active lifestyle. Active lifestyle, yeah. And I think that goes back to making sure you get a dog that can fit your lifestyle. So if you're working a lot, getting a high energy dog and not putting it towards, you know, someone to walk it or a daycare or some sort of exercise multiple times throughout the day, then you're more set up for a low energy dog than a high energy dog. And I feel like with, with a crate, just thinking about crates and frustration and let's say i got a border collie i'm living in an apartment i'm a couch potato i don't like going outside it's winter you shouldn't have got the dog yeah <laughs> um ah oh, he just shit on the floor again jesus oh he won't stop barking all right get in the crate i'm sick of you i'm done with you you know that's not how it should it should no, be utilized. it should be a positive reinforcement type no. of place for the dog and it should not be used as a punishment because then every time it goes in the crate it's like, what am I getting punished for? It doesn't mm-hmm. understand. And then say the dog has to go to the hospital and be in a crate, kennel. Now it's like, it's super scary. You don't know where you are. And now you're in a crate and you're like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you know, say you crate train your dog and you bring it to a vet and needs to be hospitalized. This dog is nice, calm, cool, collected. It's not freaking out. It's not barking its head off. It's not trying to chew through the crate, the metal grate. At that point, it's going to break its teeth. And that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. It's just laying there chilling, you know, waiting its turn for, you know, its medical workup and stuff, you know. Yeah, crates can be can be stressful if you make them stressful. Exactly. And they should not be stressful. Exactly. Should be should be like coming home from from work where you feel that relief <laughs> that yeah. I'm home. <laughs> I'm home. My dog is safe. We're going to go have a good time. Yeah. We're going to go for a walk because he was safe and he was good. And he was in his crate or in a gated area. And then as far as like correcting undesirable behavior, you don't need to be aggressive about auto. it. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to yell. You don't need to touch. You don't need to be. You need to be the boss. You need to be firm, but you don't need to be mean. Um, exactly. I always, I always say that being the alpha doesn't mean dominant. You're dominating the dog and you're being harsh. It just means you're the leader. You're in charge. Yeah. That's all. It doesn't mean that you have to be this macho, you know, macho libre, crazy. <laughs> yeah, this crazy, uh, intense uh figure you just need to be in charge and when you make a decision the dog needs to respect that respect it yeah so redirection not be not be scared of your decision exactly respect your decision exactly redirection is a good way to do that you know redirect 
negative behaviors onto something that could be positive. Mm-hmm. Um, completely, you know, cutting them off from that type of situation to allow them to have that type of situation again. Um, I use voice command, so I do like, uh-uh, and my dogs know, oh, can't do that, can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I redirect them into a different room, different area, different, you know, different situation. I don't want them to dwell or be in that situation for too long where they're like, oh, I'm getting negative reinforcement where I'm like, oh, this is the only attention I'm getting because I'm doing negative things because my owner isn't doing anything with me. Yeah. Um, type yeah, of sometimes situation. Sometimes they'll keep doing those negative things because the only way I can get that attention. Exactly. You know? Yeah. They'll, they'll take any attention they can get, but if you make positive attention worth it more than the negative attention, they're more likely to have that positive mm-hmm. outlook. Almost. And then, you know, just making sure, you know, set them up. But first success is the big thing is, you know, don't put them in a room full of food and expect the beagle not to climb the counter and eat the, the cake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, so I guess two things I want to cover real quick, just because it is getting a little bit later. Um, I want to go over some destructive behaviors. Mm-hmm and just what they mean and real quick just like ways to like socialize your puppy mm-hmm. without putting it at risk so if your dog's chewing if your dog's digging if your dog's just being destructive in general huge pet peeve i absolutely hate when people normalize it online i see it online oh just got these brand new pair of shoes look at they only lasted three days and like they'll put in the like the laughing emojis or they'll be like when does when do border collies stop ripping things apart and someone will be like oh they never do that it's like don't normalize that behavior because that's not not normal it's not normal and good um if your dog's chewing digging doing anything destructive it's It's bored it's lack of mental stimulation and a tire dog is a happy dog Mm -hmm. if you tire out that dog that dog is so unlikely to do any bad behavior or negative behavior destructive behavior yeah because if if it's bored it's gonna find a way to be not bored exactly and those flip-flops look like a good way to not be bored exactly (laughs) um which again you got to consider your schedule there when you're getting that puppy is this something that i'm going to be able to work around work or do i need some help exactly um so any any destructive behavior don't normalize it don't take it as it, it's that's very unhealthy mm-hmm. that should be a huge red flag mm-hmm. that you're not that you're a bad person but that you need to pay a bit more attention to to your dog exactly and, and it's, its needs um and then as far as socialization goes with puppies it's so critical, but you also have to be so careful because things like the vaccines, if it's not vaccinated, I mean, that could be deadly. Exactly. You mentioned, was it Parvo? Parvo is a big one, you know, uh, cow cough, you know, influenza. I mean, they're not as deadly, but Parvo is a big one. Yep. I, like I said, men- finding a trainer who does like puppy class is a good way to do some socialization knowing that other people's dogs are vaccinated because that 
trainer usually requires proof of vaccination. Mm-hmm. Um, some places do puppy play groups, like I think JB or JM, JB yeah. Pet Indoor, Indoor, yes, Dog Park, exactly does. Um, they do like puppy meetups, puppy meetups, and I'm puppy pretty sure groups. they require vaccines. Yep, yeah, I think um, they do it every like every Sunday morning. It's like bring your puppy. They can okay. meet other puppies. They won't be overwhelmed and bullied and exactly. You know. And even like PetSmart, and I'm pretty sure Petco does. And I mean, they also require vaccines. I mean, they don't have a very large area to let these dogs really run and get this exercise out. But at least they're offering that socialization and maybe even some basic training mm-hmm. just to get that started for you. Um, obviously, if you have a dog who is a little bit more scared, one-on-one training and building confidence, don't throw a dog into a puppy group if you know the dog is timid and a little bit more fearful you want to kind of grow that confidence through positive reinforcement mm-hmm. yeah and with like my daycare for instance anytime i get a puppy it's always like this fine like you got to be very careful because not careful but uh, the older dog when you put a puppy with older dogs they tend to want to like correct it and teach it which is okay. Uh, That's but, what they do in the wild. Yeah. Um, if they were wild. <laughs> yeah. But you just got to be careful that if, you're, if your puppy, let's say they are vaccinated, they're fully up to date, they're still a young puppy, you know, you're bringing it to the dog park because it's, sort of, it's got its recall, it's ready, maybe it's seven, eight months old. Mm-hmm. Um, just be aware that with the socialization being around all puppies it might be expecting you know what i mean like so so with some of the older dogs they'll they might get upset if it gets in their personal space or if it tries to play with them and they don't want to play yeah um most like puppy on puppy they're just kind of little goofballs they do learn um as they grow like mm-hmm. you know saw so a dog yelps they kind of like oh whoa okay yep. they kind of realize oh i did that you know cause and effect type of thing right um, same thing with adult dogs when you know a puppy is very submissive they go and lick the face because that's a submissive puppy mm-hmm. thing and the dog may like grab its muzzle yeah that's the same all the teeth and exactly yep. and and not necessarily being aggressive but you know saying enough which as a as the puppy's owner you're watching that and you're like this is my first puppy oh my god your dog's trying to he's trying to hurt my puppy and it's just like no no, no. no he's just correcting yeah, yeah. they're literally he's passing down thousands of years of dna's exactly knowledge you know and it's the same thing mom and mom would do um when she's done you know weaning the puppies off of her and they're still Mm -hmm. you know pestering her she may grab you know them with her mouth usually in the muzzle area that's not to say you know us humans should be grabbing a dog's muzzle and squeezing because it's a different type it's like you're not a dog it's a different reaction we should ever Put our hands I'll, on the I dog. I will act like a dog with Banjo, and I'll, like, use my mouth and ah, next to his mouth. But I would never, never, like, physically. Correct. <sighs> yeah. It's hard to explain. It's real hard. Without making it sound, yeah. Um, I wouldn't. A lot of people are like, oh, squeeze its muzzle when it bites you. But when you do that, you see a lot of puppies react to that and try to snap at you yeah, again. You don't just be 
I, I guess I guess uh, the way I'm sort of thinking of it is just because your dog is acting like a dog doesn't mean you need to be a dog. So, exactly. So as humans, I think we can rightly look at ourselves as, air quotes, superior to <laughs> yeah. many other animals. Exactly. At least in the brain category. And... Although although dogs typically communicate rough and gruff, that doesn't mean we should communicate rough and gruff. Exactly. Because um, we don't have to make it that type of experience for the dog. Yeah. And you could actually, you know, break your dog's trust. Some dogs are very fearful of certain reactions from people. And you can cause a reactive dog as well mm-hmm. to, you know, develop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so puppy socialization is important because you, from a young age, you want them familiar and okay with the idea that dogs can enter their space, people can enter their space, and not necessarily cause them harm. But on the flip side, you just have to be careful when when socializing your puppy. Make sure you do it in a safe way. Make sure you're not setting them up. Like, don't don't take your puppy and uh just put it in the backyard with another dog yeah uh, and just assume like all right they're gonna be good together it's just one-on-one anything with puppies just like children keep your eyes on them yeah (laughs) um do you have anything um that you'd like to add any i think we covered most of it so puppy quick puppy like master class (laughs) overview you know um, there's so much stuff, and I mean, I'm sure we're missing things as well, but you oh, know. Yeah. I think that this, if you were to take everything with a puppy into consideration, it's like an eight hour. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We'd like be here for hour. hours. Yeah. We could have a part one, two, three, seven. <laughs> yeah. um, there's just so much to consider, and just making sure you're prepared. Don't, like I said, um, get a puppy all willy nilly and expect it to be okay. Mm hmm. Make sure everyone in the household is okay with a dog, too. That's a big thing. Um, and I think that pretty much covers everything. Yeah. Um, just be responsible and safe out there. That's yeah. all. Um, awesome. Anything to add before we go on a two-week hiatus? Uh, I don't know. I, there's so many things we can like break down into their own little discussions so i'm sure we'll figure that out but nope. uh if anyone wants to let us know what they want to know or yeah, have questions have about questions, that's fine yeah, uh, leave us uh comments comments on youtube or even the facebook page are easy ways for us to actually watch the out. video yeah watch the video then comment don't and then just, comment don't, don't just, just comment, comment. <laughs> because of the, the clickbait thumbnail <laughs> yep um awesome I guess uh, until next time. All right, until next time. Night.